Well, hello, wonderful people. It's so good to speak to you today. My name is Robert Ferguson. I am one of the team in Hillsong, Sydney, Australia, and it's my privilege to speak to you today on this podcast, This Is Us, the Hillsong, Denmark and Malmo podcast. I'd like to do a simple message for you today called Our Blind Spot. Maybe you're taking notes. Well, write that down. Our blind spot. My wife was brought up in India, and during her time in India, she got an ear infection. As a result of that ear infection, had to go to hospital. This was back in the 50s. And as a result of a slightly botched operation, she lost the hearing in one ear. In fact, I think her eardrum in that ear is made of a piece of her leg. Now she's managed to live okay with that uh, inability. But in crowded auditoriums, and obviously we work in a church, so there are often many crowds, she cannot hear where voices are coming from. As a result of only having one ear, she's, lo she's lost her sense of direction. Even when we're outside and there's no crowds, I will point something out and she immediately swivels her head, trying to pinpoint the direction of the noise. So, one ear, loss of direction. The same is true of one eye. I've got many friends who've just got one eye. Maybe they've been blinded or in an accident or lost their eye for some reason. And as a result of only having one eye, they lose their sense of depth. So there's no depth of field, no depth of focus. And anyone with one eye has to compensate, especially when driving, because you can't work out the distance of where things are. But there's another problem of having only one eye, and that is that every one of you has a blind spot. If you look inside the eye, and can I just say that I used to be a biologist, so this is the kind of thing that I like to study, there is something called a blind spot. It's where the optic nerve goes into the brain, And there's a small part of the back of your eye, your retina, that cannot see, and it's called a blind spot. Now, because we've got two eyes, we never notice the blind spot because one eye compensates for the other. But if you've only got one eye, the blind spot becomes that much more relevant. In fact, you can do a little test and cover one eye, look at a cross uh, with the other eye, or a cross and a dash, two marks on a piece of paper, and you, if you look at one and you slowly move toward it, the other one will disappear. It has gone into the blind spot. Now, you say, what on earth has got to do, this got to do with Christianity? Well, the reality is, I think God has designed us with an understanding of two sides to truth. Truth 
I think, has two extremes. And in order to understand truth, we need to grasp both extremes. For instance, Jesus isn't just God. He is also human. He is 100% God and yet also 100% human. He's not half God, half human. Otherwise, we would miss the truth. The truth is held in the tension between the two extremes. Equally, humanity has free will, and yet God is sovereign. Humanity has complete free will, and yet God is completely sovereign. Those two seemingly irreconcilable truths are held in tension. They must be believed together. Theologically, this is called an antinomy, and the Bible is filled with them. We have to grasp both truths. For instance, the Bible says you are saved, and yet we are waiting for our salvation. We are holy, and yet we are being made holy. We are righteous, and yet we're waiting for the completion of our righteousness or restoration in him. In other words, both are true. We're healed, but not yet healed. We fear, and yet we fear God. Jesus put it in Luke chapter 12. He said, I'll tell you that whom you should fear, you should fear him who has the power to throw you into hell. And then the next verse says that we shouldn't fear anything. In other words, we should fear because he knows what's in our head. We should not fear because he knows every hair on your head. This idea goes all the way through the scripture, and you've got to grasp both extremes. Well, why have I called this podcast our blind spot? Because I think there is a blind spot in this current generation. We've believed one thing, but we've lost our sense of depth because we've believed it at the exclusion of the other thing. What is it? Well, if I'm teaching students, which I do often in Sydney, Australia, in Hillsong's Bible College, I will say to all the students in today's generation, I would like you to finish this sentence. And I say this, God is. Write that down. God is, and then put something next to it. God is. Interestingly, 95%, I would suggest, write God is love. God is love. Well, of course, he is. They're quoting from 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8, where it says, whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And then chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. So we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So the students are absolutely right. Now, the interesting thing is the other 5% of the students say things like God is creator or God is holy or God is truth, all of which he is. Jesus, of course, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Like, 
life. And he talks about being the light of the world and shepherd and so on. There are perhaps anything up to 270 different names for God in the Bible. And so you could choose any one of those. He is provider. He is righteousness. He is holiness. He is there. All of these things that God is. And yet in today's generation, virtually every single person says he is love. Now, of course he is love. But that same book talks about something completely different. And it talks about it before it talks about him being love. And yet I've never known any student write this down when I say complete the sentence. This is what it says in 1 John chapter 1. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Now, why do people concentrate on God is love and fail to reveal that God is light? Why have they chosen one extreme and failed to endorse the other extreme? Well, I think it's the same challenge as John chapter 1, where it says that Jesus in him, says the word became flesh, Jesus is full of truth and grace. A lot of people talk about the grace without talking about the truth, but he is both full of truth and he's full of grace. It's an antinomy. We need to hold those two ideas in, ex in extreme, well, in tension between two extremes. So this idea of God is love and yet also God is light are two extremes. For instance, love covers we know this. The Bible says love covers over a multitude of sins. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter on love, it talks about God is love and love covers. Isn't it wonderful that God covers our sin? Isn't it wonderful that we should cover other people? We should look after them. We should show grace to them. And yet God is light is completely opposite, whereas love covers light uncovers. We find light uncomfortable because light reveals things that we don't want it to reveal. For instance, it reveals that we're not as nice as we think we are. The Bible says that we love darkness and as a result, we dislike light. People walking in darkness have rejected the light of the world because they don't want their sin Revealed. You can read about that in the book of John. So you've got this two extremes in the same book, light and love. God is light and God is love. Two extremes held in tension. And we need to embrace both. And can I just say that one comes before the other. In other words, light comes before love. So if we're going to put an emphasis on one or the other, we should put emphasis on light before love. Why is that so significant? Because God needs to uncover our sin in order for us to repent and then cover it through his grace. Truth uncovers, grace covers. Light uncovers, then love 
covers. We've got to have one before the other. Ephesians 4 puts it like this. Put off your sin, put on your righteousness. Put on something, put off something before you put on something. The kingdom tells us to repent before we believe. We've got to deal with the negative before we deal with the positive. But in today's generation, we don't do that. We forget the first one. We don't want to talk about truth. We don't want to talk about light. We don't want to talk about our sin. We don't want to talk about what we need to put off. We want to talk about what we've put on. We want to talk about love. We want to talk about grace. We want to talk about positive things because that's the way we've been trained. But if we don't deal with the negative, we'll never embrace or understand the positive. I don't think you and I can really understand the cross until we understand what put it put Christ there. It was our sin that placed him there. And it's only when we face that that we can understand the enormity and the magnificence of his sacrifice on the cross. And the way 1 John describes this, if we hold those two things in balance, we will have life, real life, balanced life, if you will. And that's how the book starts. 1 John, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we've seen at what we've seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. So before he talks about light and then love, he talks about life. He says Jesus is life. He is the word of life. He is the centrality of our message. This is life, as it were, a balance between light and love. So if you're going to live the life that God has promised, John 10, 10, I've come to give you life both abundantly here on earth and eternally with him in heaven, you need to understand the balance between light and love. Now, can I just, before I talk about that passage, can I just ask you, why is it that you and I uh, have a blind spot? Why is it that we say God is love and yet never talk about God is light. I think there are three reasons for it. Firstly, the reason that we don't talk about light, God is light, is because light reveals our sin. That chapter one talks about if you and I say we have no sin, we call God a liar. But God is gracious, and if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there's no harm in facing our sin first. Notice the whole of the chapter one is about dealing with your sin before it gets to chapter four. So we've got to endorse first that God or believe first, embrace first that God is light. And the reason we don't like light is because we don't talk about sin. How many sermons recently have you heard on sin, your sin, repentance, the need to face up uh, to your sin, your wrongdoing, your disobedience. The reason that uh, Jesus had to go to the cross in the first place. 
He, he had to do it because we sinned. If we aren't sinners, he never had to go to the cross, but we are sinners, and that's why he had to pay the ultimate price and die in, in our place. What a remarkable sacrifice, but only, only understandable if we understand that we are sinners. So the reason we don't say God is light is because we don't like talking about sin. The second reason is that it reveals our independence. In this passage, it talks about the fact that God is light, and in him, because the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all sin, it says we can have fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. It says if we claim to have fellowship with God and yet walk in darkness, we lie and don't live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The fact is we live in a very independent world. We live in a world that endorses everyone's personal opinion, everyone's sharing their thoughts on podcast. I know this is a shocking statement, but I don't think Jesus had an opinion. If he did, he didn't share it and certainly didn't share it on, per on social media. Why do I know this? Because John chapter 12 and verses 49 and 50 says Jesus only ever said what he heard his father saying, and he only, John 5 says, did what he saw his father doing. In other words, everything that Jesus did and said on this earth was not what he wanted or what he thought. It was what his father did and what his father spoke. He may have had an opinion, but he didn't share it. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, not my will, but yours be done. His whole life was in submission to God. He was the most submitted person on the face of the planet and the most dependent, the most dependent on God and what God said. And yet we live in this independent world. Everybody does their own thing. They think it's their right to share their opinion, even if it hurts thousands of people. The fact is, independence is at the root of all sin. Isaiah 53 Verse 6, each one of us, like sheep, has gone astray, each to his own way. That is at the heartbeat of sin, and it's why Jesus went to the cross. And yet light reveals that independence, that lack of fellowship. While we're independent, we don't share in common with God, and we don't share in common with other people. We're doing our own thing. We don't like light because it reveals our sin and it reveals our independence. We'd rather talk about love because then our sin is covered and our independence is covered. Well, here's the third reason I think we don't talk about God is light, and that it reveals who we really are inside. It reveals our anxiety. This generation is absolutely overwhelmed with anxiety, and with good reason. There are lots of challenging and difficult things going on in the world. But many of us don't want to talk about what's really happening in our heart because we don't want to face up to reality. We say we're fine, but we're not fine. Things are happening in our soul that we'd rather not share. And saying God is light suddenly bears our soul. Christopher Jameson, uh, a monk in England, talks about an idea 
that I think is very helpful. He says that silence is the pathway to the soul, and the soul is the pathway to God. In other words, if you're going to get to God, you need to be in a place of silence. But we don't live in a world of silence. We live in a world of chaos and noise. Even in times of silence, we put on headphones and listen to music. Why? Because we don't really want to know what's going in on in our heart. Many of you listen to music all the time, including worship music, because if you didn't, you'd hear the anxiety in your own soul. But God wants to deal with the anxiety, and it's dealt with in silence. He wants to shine a light on your sin. He wants to shine a light on your independence. He wants to shine a light on your anxiety so that he can cover it. But he can't cover it until he shone a light on it. God is love. That is a wonderful truth. But he's also light. And he's light first before he is love. So what is that passage in 1 John all about? Well, John puts it like this. He says, verse 4, he says, and I've already read it, but let me read it again. Verse 3 and 4, we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I think in the Greek, it talks about three key words here, angelia, koinonia, kara. Message, fellowship, joy. If you want to read about it in more detail, read uh, John Stott's Tyndale commentaries of 1 John. But there are the three truths that I want to get across to you. The message. The message is Jesus Christ. It's not your thoughts about Jesus or your uh, blind spot. It's not your opinion about Jesus. It's not your feelings about Jesus. It is Jesus, the word of life, light himself, love himself in all his enormity, in all his facets. If we proclaim him, if we proclaim him in all his fullness, then and then only will we have fellowship. We will share in common with God and with each other. What an amazing thought to share something in common with God. We will be holy as he is holy. We will be united with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And the outcome of the message, Angelia, and the fellowship, Koinonia, is joy, Kara. Many of us live in a sad and broken world because we've never fully understood the completion of the message, the reality of the fellowship, and the outcome of the joy. Can I just leave you with that thought? Message, fellowship, joy. Don't be like my wife who only has one ear and as a result can fail to see direction or hear direction. Or like my friends who've got one eye and failed to see depth. God has given you two ears so that you can get direction from your, for your life. He's given you two eyes so you can see the depth of the truth that can set you free. Don't live in this generation with a blind spot. See from the extremes 
of two perspectives. God is light and God is love. As we see those two things together, it will overcome our blind spots. Well, why don't you read 1 John again from chapter 1 all the way through to chapter 5. One of the things that love says, or it love does, it says in 1 John, and if you really want to endorse God is love, listen to this. It says in 1 John chapter 5, in fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. So in your desire to endorse or embrace the love of God, why don't you understand that in order to do that, you need to do what he said and not what we want. Anyway, thought for the day. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to This Is Us podcast. Whether you listen to them as an individual or as a team, we hope that they add value to you. Make sure to click follow or subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Thank you for joining us. We are who we are. This is us.